What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you. Check out the link in the episode notes. I also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it'll give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Drops. Drops are an organ-based edible company and one of my go-tos when I'm heading into the dispensary. Their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies. I love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little 5 milligram bites in there. They make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted. The chill ones are my favorite. They're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that I love about these edibles is that they taste great. Sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops I have to be careful with because they taste so good that I just want to eat them like a bag of Sour Patch Kids. With drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel. That's possible because drops are made with live rosin, a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate. As a full spectrum concentrate, rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect. All of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin. The flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes. They come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from, including several CBD variations. You can find drops at your favorite local organ dispensary. Just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area. Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. 
and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. If you're listening on Spotify, give it that rating and uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Leave a comment on a social media post or uh, share the monthly playlists that I've been dropping. Those are uh, available every first of the month and they are on Apple and Spotify. Pretty spread out genre wise and just kind of a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month. Some new music that I'm finding, some uh some stuff I'm hearing from the first time that's maybe a bit older and also some things that are making it into my DJ set. So check those out. Links in the episode notes for those. And I'm stoked to get into episode 361 of the podcast. We've got Portland, Oregon based producer and beat maker Eric Boderick on the show. He just dropped this killer record called Bloom, which is available wherever you stream music. And we dive into that record in this conversation and share a lot of the tracks from it as well. We recorded this one out near the Willamette River in Milwaukee, Oregon. It was a beautiful day, so we opted to uh, record outside, which just couldn't have asked for a better conversation while sitting near the water with Eric. Just uh, a gray hang with this dude. Just before we got on the mics, I noticed that he and I share a cell phone area code from Southern California, so we geeked out about that a bit and found out that we grew up not too far from one another and went to high schools that were like 30 minutes away and graduated the same year. So we found a lot of common ground early on in this one, and it was just rad to get to know him outside of getting familiar with his music and seeing him perform a few times in the Portland area. Just someone that I hope to kick it with more in the future. Super kind, fun dude to be around. And I'm also trying to get my shot at him on the uh, on the ping pong table. Eric is a sports fan and you don't always find a lot of sports heads in the music scene. So we connected on that too. And he's producing some killer music, including this new record bloom, which features a bunch of different Portland rappers on it. A really cool showcase of the scene in some ways and just appreciate his collaborative mentality. So we got into a lot during this chat. Hope you enjoy it. Also check out Eric Boderick's instrumental tape that he dropped a couple years back. We're going to feature some music from that. It's called Ripples. And give this dude a follow on all the things if you enjoy what you hear in this conversation. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Hope you enjoy episode 361 with Eric Boderick. All the links will be in the episode notes. And we're kicking this one off with an instrumental track from that 2021 release, Ripples, also available on all the streaming services. And uh, thought this opening track, Allergies, would be a fitting way to kick this one off as uh, things are in full bloom here in Portland, Oregon. And I know a lot of people are going through it with the allergies right now. So let's do the damn thing. And welcome uh, to, the, to the show. We're excited tonight to uh, present this pageant to you. It's something that's inside our bodies and it just wants to get out.
feel like I've already like un- unintentionally put you to work here as you're untangling this uh, this ratty headphone cable that I have given you. I love it. It's like my uh, fidget spinner. <laughs> I'm gonna feel so accomplished once um, this this thing is untangled. I feel like it'll be like the true signal to really get this thing going. Like as soon as it's All right. There it is. I'm done. There it is. You ready to jump into this thing, Eric Boderick? Let's, let's do it. Let's All do right, it. man. I'm excited to uh, have the opportunity to chat with you. Definitely want to, you know, dive into this uh, this new Bloom record that you uh, just recently put out and uh, features a bunch of different rappers on it. So we'll definitely... I plan to do the deep dive a bit on Bloom, but uh, I nice. want to set some foundation for, for some things. Okay. Um, you know, you already mentioned baseball. I think we're maybe going to have to dig into that. Um, we both have hot air balloon tattoos. I feel good oh, about that. Holy shit. Yeah, that's yours hilarious. is much, much cooler than mine, but I have I one, you know, little guy here. And uh, I, I also saw that we, we share a, uh, a 951 area code. Did I copy and paste your... Well, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this, but I was driving and I, I copied and pasted. I think I, I was at a stop sign. Um, did I copy and paste a 951 and then not even realize it? Yeah. That's crazy. Is when I saw the text come through, I was like, this is great. Like, I already know Wild. that. I know, is, is San Diego, like, where you grew up? Or, like, where, where did you, uh, where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in, uh, I was born and raised in Oceanside. Okay. Um, so, back then it was 619. I eventually, uh, it turned into 760, right, the North County. And then uh, before high school, I moved to Temecula. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I grew up in Corona. Okay. And originally that was like the 909, the IE. Right. You know? There's right. some very, also very funny TikTok things happening, like with like some kid that does like the different Somebody, neighborhoods of the IE, dude. And yeah. that shit just like destroys me oh, and God. like connects on I, uh, a crazy level. I don't think it was you that, that posted it yesterday, but somebody I know posted one of those, that guy, it's gotta be the same guy, right? Um, and I did a little bit of a deep dive on his account and I hated it so much. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm hate watching it. Yes, you know? that's what it is. Yeah, there, but there's a part of it that I'm just like, this is also like has some very true elements to it oh 100 percent. it's really great but yeah. uh and then you know when eventually the 909 just evolved into the 951 mm. and uh right so i don't know i feel like uh there's some some just like some connection there grew up in a similar place and i know that mm-hmm. you just like moved to portland like a, a year or two ago you said no no i moved to milwaukee okay ago, but i moved to portland um about nine years ago okay yeah I always forget I have to like back scroll Instagram to remember like what year it was yeah I think I did it recently and it was it was like nine coming up on nine years okay yeah I've been here 10 years nice now um what year did you graduate high school um oh three all right we're here really there we are 85 damn that's dope. That's why my that's um, why the jersey right the jersey. I saw the jersey I was yeah. like this guy's in 85 too yeah because I couldn't put too much thought into it um, when I when I made that order for the um, the Pinecones jersey, but it's a jersey, you know. So you're like, okay, yeah. what am I gonna put on the back? What's the number gonna be? Like it, I put a lot of thought into it. So um, I was like, let's just go 85. Growing up, I, I played baseball, might have done 24, you know, but I was like, that's oh, a hockey jersey. Like let's <laughs> let's just I'll, I'll roll with 85. Yeah, for sure. Uh, was sports pretty heavy? 
part of your life growing up? Yeah, totally. Like totally. more than music growing up? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, yeah, I grew up in Oceanside. Uh, happens to be uh, kind of a deep cut fun fact, but it's also the same town that Junior Seau grew up in. So I grew up a huge Chargers, Padres fan. <clears throat> Met Junior Seau a bunch uh, just from being in, in the in and around the city. Have his autograph on a on a T-shirt in my in my parents' house okay. still. Met Tony Gwynn a bunch growing up. Just a huge San Diego yeah. fan of, of Chargers, Padres. Totally, totally. There was a San Diego Goals. Yeah, a little, absolutely. A little hockey team way back in the day. I think I went to a couple games. I I played in that ice rink a couple the times. Sports arena. Yeah, just because there was I, I played travel ice hockey in Southern California, oh, yeah, so yeah. my weekends were kind of spent mm-hmm. visiting anywhere, traveling from anywhere as far down south as San Diego and as far north as like Thousand Oaks on the weekends. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of sports, a lot of basketball, um, and baseball. Never really played football. Played like hockey, street hockey as a kid, just yeah. in the neighborhood and stuff. You know, like lived by the beach and whatnot. From you know, both my parents they met at the beach, but I never got super into like surfing or anything. Yeah. Um, like sports were always my always my thing. Yeah, you're kind of one of these dudes that. Uh feels pretty comfortable just like jumping in on any team sport not that you're like the greatest but like no no like hey we're gonna go play some basketball or like we're gonna go play some like two-hand touch like you're you're just kind of down yeah yeah i'll get winded super quick right now like i'm (laughs) totally out of shape but um no i'm I'm pretty i'm pretty confident um in anything me and a 10th member on the on the album we have a running joke on on instagram where Every now and then, for whatever reason, he'll have an Instagram story and he'll be playing ping pong somewhere. Yeah. And I'll just comment, like, you don't want this smoke, right? <laughs> like, mo- my most recent sports, um, my family's super competitive. So I play a lot of tennis yeah. when, I, when I go back home. And then um, most recently, I've been getting into pickleball. Dude, I'm, re- I'm ready for it. My mom has gotten obsessed with it mm-hmm. and she yeah. keeps trying to convert me. And I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go out there and do it because I tried to do tennis last year. Right. Last summer, I was like, my buddy and I, we were pretty uh, determined. We're like, hey, we're going to be able to play tennis. And it just feels like the learning curve on tennis is a little bit more yeah, than I yeah. thought it would be to even just like right. solidly volley the ball back and forth consistently. It makes sense. There's a lot of moving parts, right? Yeah. It's like if you had never played baseball and then all of a sudden you're like trying to swing a bat. Right. Like it's, there's certain things about it. Pickleball's fun though, man. Yeah, I have some extra paddles. Like we can... All right. Let me know. Let me know when it's time. I'm ready. For sure. Uh, Did you play sports like pretty competitively in high school? Um, I I played baseball up until up until high school. Okay. I played basketball up until high school too. Um, I didn't make the team and then kept playing baseball um, into like JV. But um, in Temecula, man, like the the competition is crazy. And um, I think my freshman year, our our varsity team was like fifth in the nation. It was like crazy. So I never made varsity. Cause I was always like decent, right? I never, I never like grew past, like I never got big. Right. So, um, I was always just like a contact hitter and had speed and whatnot. But even, uh, outside of playing just like a consistent viewer of sports and the whole gamut. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think lately I'm not willing to like let it ruin my day. You know what I mean? Like there, there was a time, I I think certain, you know, and like if it's like the playoffs and stuff, like it'll probably ruin my day. But, um, (laughs) yeah like fuck LA in any sport right like I, I grew up I grew up in San Diego and like no in any sport like fuck LA hard okay alright and um yeah I don't know 
I mean, yeah, I, I have some love for some LA sports, but no, I don't, I don't know. I understand when you grow up in San Diego, like in and around San Diego, that that's where you pledge right. your allegiance to, you know, where like right. growing up in like Riverside County and Corona is like You're a close. little bit closer right. to those things. And like the Kings existed before the Ducks did. Oh, sure, so sure. like that, yeah. like I couldn't become a Ducks fan, especially after, I, the after that they became the Anaheim Ducks and not like the mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Like I couldn't even like right. support it in any way. And now it's just like the team I hate the most, but right. Um, no, I love a small market team. That's why like, it was easy to love the Blazers when I moved up here. Yeah. Right. Like I, I kind of like have always been rooting for the underdogs. Like none of my teams have ever won yeah. a championship. Right. Like, that's why it doesn't hurt when anybody tries to talk shit on any of my team. It's like nothing <laughs> you not can say. They're not expected to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's that quote from uh, High Fidelity, right? If you wanted, if you really wanted to hurt me, you should have got to me sooner. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I grew up like a big Chicago sports fan just because that's where my dad is from. So oh. I grew up watching all the Chicago sports. And being a Southern California kid, the, the Cubs thing kind of happened on its own because I would just come home from school every day and WGN, WGN would be on. That's right. And then the Cubs game would already be in like the fifth inning. So as like a kid, that was perfect. Like I'm probably not going to sit through like you get to necessarily see end, nine right. or 10 innings of baseball, but like to jump in when it's already five innings deep and it's that just like sense. already yeah. an exciting game. Then, uh, yeah, that's kind of WGN like that owned the world in the nineties, I think. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they own the world. <laughs> Right after the game, like a uh, family matters would probably come on or something. But um, no, that's cool. My uh, my grandfather actually is from Chicago. Okay. He, he's from the South Side. I think he said he told me one time he grew up um, like down the street from Comiskey. I went to a Cubs Cubs Padre game a few years ago. We just took a vacation out nice. to Chicago. Yeah, um, kind of crazy. And remember during the early days of the pandemic, right when there was like no sports on, so they would show like re- random reruns yeah. that you know were kind of you figured they were lost in time or something they showed the i don't remember it's probably espn but they showed the 84 world series the cubs padres not world series but the um the pennant yeah the nlds they showed that series and i knew um because my, my family are huge sports fans right so uh my uncle was at that game with uh my godmother at the time um they were both at the game they probably told me at one point they were at the game, right? There was a lot of heavy competition between my godmother, who's from Chicago, and my like parents and uncle, who are you know grew up in Oceanside. And I was just watching the game, and I have this weird. If you know me, you know that like I can see somebody's face once, and then like two years from now, I'll be like, where do I know that person yeah. from, right? And so I was just watching the game casually, sitting there, um, and I caught like my family on the TV, like they were sitting like. <laughs> kind of a little a little up from the third baseline I think is, is where it was and I paused it and I was like what the fuck like this is I just my uncle's on TV in 1984 and crazy. I'm watching it like it's it's super wild it was super wild that's insane and that's nothing that you I probably you know, I probably took a picture of it right it's just like in my my phone or whatever but back then you wouldn't have been able to say like catch me on TV and like record it right that like that was lost in time, that like particular like video, yeah. you know, had it not been like just something that they put on on ESPN. Yeah, it's wild. But what was like the, the deal with music? Was it always just kind of there? Like you were always a fan kind of like developing your, your own taste or was there your parents putting you on to music as a kid that you actually enjoyed or what was that situation for you? Yeah, I think for, 
for the most part, it was probably um, just subconscious, you know, for a long time. I grew up listening to like Steely Dan and Fleetwood Mac, and yeah, um, like I've been to a, like a Jethro Tull concert with my uncle, you know, just like <laughs> random, like, you know, classic rock or like old psychedelic stuff. Yeah. I don't know that that stuff kind of, kind of hits me like in a nostalgic way, but I also think it's, it's pretty dope. But in, in high school, for whatever reason, I met some people and just started hanging out with some, some friends and, um, somehow in Temecula, right? Like you're semi-familiar with the area. Um, at lunchtime, there'd be like lunchtime ciphers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, it's probably like junior, senior year. And based on like the friends that I had and some of them started freestyling and, and I started freestyling as well. And just like um, being who I am, like if I'm gonna start something, I'm gonna like, I just go like all in. And um, so then like freestyling was my thing for like a few years. I would just like battle, you know, just throw myself in there and like battle people during uh during lunch and in high school and whatnot okay yeah it was it was a lot of fun and um you know from there like there was a friend that had like a a triton he'd be the one that makes the beats and then we would i don't i don't remember where we recorded but we would just put some some little cds burn some cds uh here and there and and record some songs and um that happened for a few years graduated high school uh, met a good friend of mine whose name is Dazan. Um, he's a pilot now, but I was just walking past a, a car leaving a community call, leaving, leaving uh, Mount San Jacinto, uh, a class over there. And um, uh, a friend of mine yelled at me, and my friend Dazan was the other guy in the car hanging out with a, a friend of mine. <clears throat> and so Dazan plays like the acoustic, kind of like flamenco nylon string guitar. Super dope. Um, so that kind of led into like acoustic, kind of hip hop band situation um that i was i was like the the main front man in and okay yeah and so we did that for a few years um recorded some songs uh played live around like colleges in southern california and whatnot and did that kind of thing um so so like i was you know over the last like i guess in my 20s i was heavily involved in music and kind of like you know passionate about it and, and and like finding my sound and and that sort of thing but up until a couple years ago like I um it had been a while since I you know cared about music or or did anything in that sense like as far as uh creating goes but yeah during the pandemic I just I I bought an MPC right I was like "Ah, I'm just like I felt like a an itch and I was like I'm not just gonna start rapping again you know like that just didn't feel like something that I you know would, would be passionate about so I bought an NPC and I just started making beats and it kind of just clicked for me because I, I, I think because I was around such like legitimately good musicians for a long time. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to like, like what I wanted to sample, what ingredients I wanted to like inspire. Yeah. You're the, absorbing the all that make. while you're amidst right. it. And yeah, I think like, I don't know, sometimes when you take a, a break from something too, you know, just to like come at it from with different perspective a little bit older you know exactly right, kind of right. like what you want out of the experience or like you're saying like what you want it to sound like but were you like before the cypher like you stumbled upon like these ciphers happening or you know that community in school were you listening to a lot of rap and hip-hop at that time yeah totally um in high school i was listening to kind of kind of whatever was on MTV, you know, in the early 
high school days. Absolutely. Um, it was the good, it's ah, MTV, dude. You know, at and that like, time. it was like right when there would be like one person that you knew that like had a CD burner <laughs> and you would give him like your list of, of songs and like you'd pay him like 10 bucks and he would like burn the like mixtape for you or whatever. Right. And, um, cause you had, you had all the songs that you loved that you had downloaded on Napster, but you didn't have a way of like right. burning them onto a CD. <laughs> there was no like thumb drive to throw it on or some bullshit that plugged into your car right. already. Right. Exactly. So, so that, that was, I think that was important, I think during that time, right. To, to be able to explore and like kind of understand new sounds and, and like that was us digging, right. Like there no one cared about records back then. That was us digging for viruses for our parents' computer. Right. No, totally. <laughs> totally. And so, um, I mean, kind of before, like, the, the you know, ciphering and whatnot, um, the main project, I think, or a couple of the main projects that, like, really got me into the type of hip-hop that I loved or, like, what really, like, grabbed me was probably the Black Star album. Okay when that and granted that would have been like a couple years after it came out and honestly like um black eyed peas bridging the gap that album was really dope um i remember my friend my friend burned burned me a copy of that but yeah black star which led to like talib which led to like most deaf which led to like common and then i was heavy into that kind of like neo soul thing but yeah i mean as as a kid who grew up in san diego like you know on the west coast in california i was never like really into like West Coast style, like rap music for whatever reason. Right. It just didn't, it didn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just that, like, when I think back, it's funny. Cause like my, my, like some of my favorite songs back then, right. Like far side running tribe, find a way common, the light, like all of that shit was produced by Dilla, but I was just listening to the music. I wasn't really like, I didn't care back yeah, then who produced it, right? For sure. I don't think anybody did, if we're being honest. There's no way that I was like buying records based on producers, right. like the way I would maybe do now, or even like, I don't even think I was looking at it as like label heavy at that right. time, you know? <clears throat> right. You're, you're reading the liner notes to like read the lyrics, not necessarily yeah. like, yeah. you're like, Ooh, this executive producer. <laughs> What's in this 30 page CD booklet? <laughs> Dude, yeah. I miss those. But yeah, that, I mean, that sound, right, is what really, like, I think captured my attention more than anything. Um, and then from there, there, there was, you know, there was uh, always a dope, like, underground West Coast scene, you know, living legends and like... Um, yeah. Well, I'd imagine you, you got exposed to that, too, because you started participating in it. So then you're actually, right. like, playing shows right. in, like, the college circuit, you're saying? And Yeah, we did a little bit, but... Um, but also, like, yeah, you're, like, a young, dumb kid, so you, you drive out to L.A. to, like, go to these underground shows that 10 people are at. And, yeah. like, because you, you're just, like, you just want to be in it, right? <clears throat> and you don't realize how, like, unglamorous it is um, for those artists and whatnot. Uh, you just think, like, oh, I'm going to go, like, you know, you're in that mode where you want to, like, toss your CD on stage. And, like, you think that, like, that's how right. you're going to get, like, <laughs> discovered or, like, someone's going to think you're cool or Someone's going to pick up your CD off the boardwalk and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> selling, selling CDs on the boardwalk that you've given to these people already. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, during all that time, like, that you're talking about, I was, I was in, like, an alternative rock band. Like, mm. very, like, I don't know what you would... Like a like a very like pretty mainstream sound alternative '90s or early 2000s thing, and mm-hmm. like 
like our thing was that we got caught up in that that la pay-to-play scene where you're just like having to sign contracts to sell tickets and selling a certain amount of tickets and and that was kind of like unfortunately you know those people just kind of put this weird monopoly almost on these venues because you like they're the venues to play they're the best venues and also like you just like there's not really another way in unless you're part of like right. a very DIY scene. So like mm-hmm. coming from but it was the hard. suburbs too, yeah. especially of, of like a major city. It's not like you're living in LA. So you know, all these people throwing right. these DIY shows, you're coming at it from like a complete outsider. And like those shows just don't really like build any sort of community amongst the bands because right. nobody like stays and the promoters don't like really care if the music vibes with one another because they're guaranteed all of this money. So just a weird situation. I don't know if you no, encountered so much of that. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, um, we played, uh, the BB King blues club once. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't know. It was the MySpace days, right? So, like, somebody would, like, reach out or you would reach out to somebody and they'd be like, yeah, come play a slot. Yeah. And so, technically, <laughs> technically, we were opening up for a war, right? But we had to sell a bunch of tickets to play at, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon or, like, whatever it was at BB King Blues Club. And you're, like, hustling on, like, MySpace to, like, yeah. promote a show. Um, that was crazy. No, that's, that's, that's very true. I don't know that, like, things have changed that much. It, it, there's no more, like you don't see pay to play as much, but, um, I don't know, like for the most part, promoters still suck, you know? Yeah. I've seen like a couple, uh, there was a, I don't know if they're still trying to do it, but there was a couple people in the Portland area that were like trying to do that a bit. And it was just like, this isn't going to work when nobody wow. else is doing this. Like you can't, you can't just bring this here and please don't. Cause it's like the cash, worst thing. Cash grab. Yeah. That can happen. I feel like, but and it only, it's only going to hurt those like, early 20s like artists that think that it's worth it right that they just want a stage but yeah that sucks for sure and i know you were pretty young when you started rapping and maybe just like doing it for fun in the very beginning but did you find over time that you were i don't know that it was like just a solid outlet for you kind of like processing the world around you especially with the type of music you Mm -hmm. were listening to and were influenced at that time by yeah yeah i mean i went through different phases like at first it was like youth group rap if i'm being completely yeah. honest you know um it was very like uh like Christ- christianity driven it's that southern california you know yeah. like uh suburbia for sure mega churches dope shows that they throw <laughs> right no no exactly but that was cool right like i had stages and like those people are going to support you <laughs> they're going to be yeah. like that was dope i've literally never seen that before <laughs> it's still an opportunity to like perform and have that experience too and like right. cut your teeth and like whatever right you know audiences Absolutely. In or venue yeah so i mean i was battling people without cussing you know what i mean like and i think um that like stretched stretched my ability to uh, like you know kind of perform and, and and you know helped the uh the penmanship if you will eventually when i was like in that band and stuff it was it was different you know but it was always like i was on that kind of like that's why I think that's why I love like the conscious quote unquote, like conscious rap so much. Right. Is cause there was that like kind of positive, a good vibe element to it. And so, I don't know. I think that's it, it also kind of continued on. Like, even though there was like a 10 year gap, like it continued on to like how, who I connect with now and like the type of music I try yeah. to make now is like, and that's why I made a clean version of the album. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> I want something now I'm a dad. 
I want something I could just put on and like listen to, even though like my son's in the car. Yeah. Um, you're on that. That's on that Adam Sandler shit. Why he's making Grown Ups Four is like he right. wants he wants to make movies that his kids can enjoy and it like may, families yeah. can enjoy. Now. It makes like, so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What was like your comfortability level like when you first started performing as like a front person? Was it did it always feel like pretty natural to you? Not a whole lot of nerves surrounding it. Yeah. No. I. I um. I don't know why I was just trying to think about it as you were asking the question, but I've always been pretty comfortable with like public speaking. Okay. I mean, it, it's probably because like I had, I had to right? growing up. I was like, always like the shortest kid. I had buck teeth. Like, you know, I got like picked on a lot as a kid. So like <clears throat> I learned how to, for one, like just like be comfortable with myself. You know what I mean? And just kind of like own those things. Um, cause I wasn't going to fight anybody. Like I would lose, <laughs> but, um, and, um, and, uh, like just, I don't know, find, find confidence outside of, you know, those like, uh, deficiencies or whatever. So I, I've always been comfortable, like, uh, on a stage. Um, I think in a lot of ways I probably just figured out how to like hack the nerves, you know yeah. what I mean? Like turn the nerves into more of like a, um, excitement, more of like a drive. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I kind of also now when I when I do beat sets here and there, like I take pride in like being like a talkative, a talkative beat maker because yeah. like I, I can't I can't just sit there on stage and like not say dumb stuff like here and there <laughs> when there's like a perfectly good mic like in front of me, you know? Well, I also just like even appreciate during the live set and it like makes more sense now like getting to know your background a little bit more mm -hmm. and know that you were like the front person and you know an MC yourself like that's during you know the album release specifically for that show you know you're constantly singing the hooks and you know jumping on the mic which I right, think right. like just for me personally as an audience member just always for just another level of attachment to something like for mm -hmm. like that engagement you know, is, right. is stronger in that situation. And I think it's just cause I know that you, whether it's performance or not, it appears to me that you're just into this shit that you're doing. Yeah. You should, you should like, you should like what you do. Right. And at, at the end of the day, like if I make a song with whoever, like I would hope that I want to like bump that shit in my own yeah. car, like six months from now or whatever, Absolutely. you know? And that's what it's come, that's what it comes down to. And like, that's kind of where I'm at with, with the art, right. And with like beat making, I just want to have fun and I want to do something. I want to make music that I want to make, you yeah. know, and, and, and not put any pressure on it. And, um, but yeah, like live, I'm just trying to live vicariously through Corey B, you know, just like, <laughs> I'm just trying to like, <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun with it. But, um, that's one thing we connected on, uh, we met like a year and a half ago at uh at a hungry hungry hip-hop show is that like the dude just has like dope energy live yeah and like it sounds weird to, weird to say but like i saw myself in him you know what i mean i was like no like i i get i see what he's doing right like i get it because i've done that and i you know think that i used to do it well as far as like stage presence yeah. and like performing goes you kind of have to it like takes one to know one, you know what yeah. I mean? You kind of have to have done it to like understand what it takes to, for it to look right and like feel right. Yeah. 
real recognizes real kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. I think that's like a special experience when you can like see yourself in someone else, like in, in those terms, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like during the, I definitely want to like dive into your, your collaboration, like collaborative relationship with Corey, because I know he's like one of your main collaborators, but Mm -hmm. before we get into that and like the bloom record, like during the time before you, you, picked up this npc along the way were you like did you were you gaining any like knowledge like were you playing any instruments ever like were you picking up things when you were in the studio recording with your friends uh, as far as like making beats or did did it kind of like come out of nowhere as far as that angle of stuff right no i mean i wish i paid more attention like with the amount of studios that i was in back in the day to like to rap in you know and um but i was always just so focused i would be in the corner like just writing you know or i would i would always just i would always have my verse memorized before i went into the studio so i would just be like focus on my thing right but i I don't know i could have learned so much for sure yeah um because now that's one of my deficiencies right like the engineering side of things and that's something i want to um pour time into yeah i don't know i i've I've always loved hip-hop i went through like a heavy like indie rock phase in the late 2000s, right? Yeah. Um, I've always loved like live music and I think that's <clears throat> that's why in a lot of ways like any music that I make, I want it I want to perform it live, you know? Like that's kind of like the the ultimate expression. And yeah, so I, I think I've I've just had the ability to absorb like an eclectic amount of music. Um, like I said from the I've seen Steely Dan live and like Talib, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of all over the place. Absolutely. <clears throat> and there's different things you could you could pull out of any any genre genre of music, you know, any any kind of era of music. So I feel like that's kind of where my head is at usually when I approach music making. Yeah. When I was uh when I listened to that Ripples record, I think that was that's like the impression I get is that the canon is wide. Like it's informed by not just hip hop and like beat tapes and stuff like that you know like it feels like there's some some other things that have uh you know permeated your brain a little bit you know totally yeah i I try not i think it's i think it's important not to be like too influenced by one thing because you kind of lose your identity yeah so um it's easy to just mimic that thing right right and and that's there's a lot of that nowadays i think and i guess maybe there always has been a lot of it I don't know. Like, I, I guess in a lot of ways, I'm still trying to like find my sound, but at the same time, um, I approach it with an open mind, right? Like I'm, I don't really ever like go into like making a beat too intentionally, right? Like I'm going to make like this type of, of, of beat, right? I want to I do a song like this. Um, <clears throat> I just kind of like dig and, and see what feels right at that moment. And then just kind of go with the flow on, you know, on what that sample provides or what that like drum drum break provides or you know kind of with that approach yeah i was kind of like i don't know i think it was nice for me to really be introduced to your music with with the ripples record the instrumentation like the Mm. instrumental one first like just to you know i feel like that that's like kind of showcases Mm -hmm. that uh the wideness or like the scope of like what kind of comes out with the inspirations and whatnot and then get to like jump into bloom where there's raps on everything yeah that makes sense i think 
<clears throat> I mean, what's crazy about that Ribbles album, and I don't, it's not even, we were talking about like making music that you love or whatever, but I don't really think about that too, that album too often <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And like mainly because that was like myself, it was more so an exercise of forcing myself to put myself out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just wanted to prove to myself I could like put music on Spotify or whatever, right? Because it had been, you know, 15 years since I had music on like a streaming service. So I was like, I just want to, I want to do this. So I was able to get past that kind of block that I think stops a lot of people that like uh, fear uh, of like, what will people think? Like, I, I find that I'm like really good at not worrying about that. At this point, I don't really care what people think because yeah. at, at the end of the day, I'm doing it for me. I know it's like at least halfway dope. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of like garbage like that sits on the NPC. But like if I'm going to put it out, I feel confident that like it's going to be decent. And then from there, <clears throat> it's just about expression. And with uh, with Ripples, the crazy thing is like I had been making beats for like six months at that point. You wow. know what I mean? And so it was it was very much like the first good beats I ever made. And so, um, did you know from the, like right off the bat that you wanted to go instrumental for like whatever your introduction was going to be as Eric Boderic? No, and, no. I mean, I was just like, I have these beats. Like I, there's no reason for me to make beats and just have them exist solely on this NPC. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, why, why am I not going to just put something out? And the, uh, <clears throat> the idea of, um, Bloom, actually started like a year ago because I was just going to put out another beat tape, to be honest. And then I just started building relationships and meeting people, you know, getting like little, little features recorded here and there. And then I was like, wait a second, like I'm dumb enough to think that I could actually do this thing that like is starting to kind of build up in my mind. And, uh, people started telling me that they liked my beats and I was like, well, maybe my beats are good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, that's kind of all I needed to be like, no, I'm not gonna, I actually had the album artwork like a year and a half ago. Right. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to put out a beat tape. I have like five like songs here. I'm just going to like keep going until it feels right to stop. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I had the artwork, the, the album title, like, uh, you know, probably a year before the album was, before we recorded any songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just, I don't know, like I'm, if I do anything, I'm, I'm just gonna find a way to do it as good as I can, I guess is just kind of how I live my life. You kind of like become like pretty obsessed with something when you first like get into it and like that's why you're able, you think you're able to do what you were able to do six months in? Cause it doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, I it think feels like, like if you would have said that was my my fifth beat tape that I put out, I'd be right. like, yeah, cool. Right. Like it doesn't feel like a, it feels like more of a, a seasoned project to me than you right. know a, a rookie record. You know, no, I appreciate that. No, it's it's like front to back. I think it like offers some some really cool yeah, moments yeah. for sure. And it was fun, and there was a lot of things I, I didn't know back then as far as like just mixing and you know I don't know like but like I said I, just, I put it out because I was like I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna like let it let it go and like keep it moving. Yeah. But as far as like obsessiveness, like I don't know. I I don't think that I get obsessed with things. I think at the time I had a lot of time on my hands and like and, and I used that time strategically to get better. Right. There wasn't 
ever a night where I was giving my son a bath where I wasn't playing music in the background to like, quote unquote, dig for samples, right? Like yeah. where it wasn't just like on YouTube, just like playing some random like um, Bulgarian 70s record. You know what I mean? Like just something really random. I would just, I just kind of went all over the place with, with, with kind of discovering new, new types of music to, um, to sample. Um, so I think like, I just dedicated my, my time to, uh, I guess like, like catching up in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, I, I turned into a student because I'd never, <clears throat> it's different than, than rapping. You know, you're just kind of, like you say, you're writing, you're expressing what, what you're, what you're thinking. But with beats, I kind of had to do a lot of like listening, kind of understanding how people get to where, how it ends up, how it ends up a particular beat. And, um, figure out what what my recipe was you know and what what my sound was the other thing that i, I take a lot of pride in is like not overcomplicating things and i think that's that's what i did with uh with ripples and that's what i did with bloom is like i'm not i'm not gonna hold on to music because i don't think it's because i think it could be better you know because i think we'll we'll always have that thought in our mind of like oh, i just want to make it better i want to make it better like I don't know, because like you could put it out and people could think it's great, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. like, there's kind of no reason um, to try to um, stretch something beyond your own limitations that you know are there. You know, I wasn't gonna like stop and try to learn the piano just so I could like put some extra like sauce in it or right. something. You know. Right. like 15 years since you had you know put out any music or like spent a lot of time creating but did you find that there was any sort of different vulnerability in putting out something that was purely instrumental opposed to like something that you know your voice was on no i mean absolutely it was it was uh, a completely new thing you know it'd be like um me joining the pine cones and i'm like <laughs> suiting up for that first game and i'd be like I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I Come mean? Come tonight, like, Eric. Yeah. Fox is out. Cap's out tonight, so you could you could wear his jersey. I already have a jersey, right? You so, could, but you got to wear his, so they think uh, that that's you. That's oh, him out there. You know, right, you got right. like a little uh, Mighty Ducks yeah, type situation, absolutely. right? Where I take off the helmet, <laughs> they're like, "Oh my gosh, it's Eric Bodar." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I think that that happens with anything, right? There's that. Um, what's the phrase where? Um, where you think you're not good enough for imposter something. syndrome imposter, yeah imposter syndrome like i just i think i've grown enough in life mm -hmm. like in my personal experiences to where i don't i'm not i, I don't want to say i don't have imposter syndrome but i just like push past it you know because if it's if it's if you're doing something for the love of it and for like the enjoyment of it i think that's not important. Like what people think isn't really important if you're doing it for yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it completely changes your relationship with the thing. Right. To a certain degree too, you mm -hmm. know, cause it's, yeah, it's not fun to be stressing out about a thing that you enjoy. Right. 
No, absolutely. I mean, I can't say that I'm I'm completely uh, vacant of this uh, imposter syndrome. I kind of go in and out of it, like yeah. creating this this podcast even like week to week. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm great at it, and sometimes I'm like, what 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 happened there? You know, it's just right. like there is there's a little bit of that that self doubt. You know, that you got to shake at certain points. But totally, yeah. But I mean, if if I sat down and you were like, hey, can you like, can you level this for me? I'd be like, oh shoot. but like also I don't know maybe there's just maybe there's there's a part of it that I learned in like my professional life that like I'm just gonna be honest you know what I mean I'm gonna be honest about my limitations I'm gonna be like yo I don't know how to do that you know and then you just get to like live freely with with that information uh, out in the open you know for sure and also like I think that if you're around the right people, like people will like help you with that right. deficiency too, especially, right. I don't know. I find like this Portland music community specifically like the beat and hip hop scene here, uh, is often like pretty tight knitted where I feel like, right. you know, you hit somebody up and they'd be willing to show you a, a thing or two or like, right. you know, pick up these things that'll help like streamline your process or whatever, you know? Totally. Yeah. And people are super like humble and super chill. Um, I just went and stole a bunch of records from Melts yesterday. Yeah. Like, I just pulled it with, with my son. He, uh, talked to him about the Beatles for like an hour and I was just like, <laughs> grab the second records. So That's cool. amazing. Yeah. Um, that Hawthorne bridge is one of my, my favorite tracks off the, uh, the ripples record. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious if you, uh, feel like you're pretty heavily inspired by the environment around you or if like you're just, you know, searching for titles on that. And that's just like what quickly came to mind or. Yeah. I mean, it's both. I think, um, sometimes it's both that beat specifically. It just reminded me of the first night when I drove into Portland from moving here. Cause I had visited a bunch of times. But for some reason, because my family's crazy, we decided we're gonna take two cars all the way from Temecula, right? My parents helped me move. Uh, my wife was doing a work like training thing, so she wasn't able to drive with us. So we had two cars and we rotated like three people and drove straight, right? Like left at like 5 a.m. So it's like a 18 hour drive. Left at like 5 a.m., got, we were crossing over the Hawthorne Bridge at like midnight. And I was like, like how that beat sounds is how I felt in my head. Like I was just like delirious, you know? So yeah, I love that beat, which is why uh, when Matt Randall hit me up um, like a year ago, actually, it was like, let me write to this. And I was like, let's do it, you know? And that was like, like that, that song was made like a year ago, like, you know, uh, before Bloom was even like an idea. Um, he wrote that November 4th yeah. track is really dope for sure yeah do you feel like you know being a southern california kid and now being in the pacific northwest in this gloomy environment not particularly today today is no, beautiful today. this is <laughs> this is maybe the greatest uh podcast setup for sure that i've had but uh do you feel like that that gloominess is definitely uh like come through in what you're creating like that that's like informed the lens of of being in this environment maybe i don't know i never thought about that but probably i think even when i rapped though um i was talking to Corey about this the other day because Corey was like i like your dark beats and i was like honestly like i like dark beats too and like even when i rapped like that was the stuff i gravitated towards because it it i just feel like it evokes emotion there yeah. you know so um I don't know, maybe just like cloudy days help 
yeah. find samples and make music to evoke the emotion that you wanted to make to begin with. That's what he owned, enough of that talking, just pass the patrol. Mad in the zone, that's when I'm home, then I'll be gone. Niggas be talking, ain't living my life, living it right, living it wrong. Who really knows? That's on my soul, that's what you know, let it be known. People be up, still ask for a loan. Who really knows if I'll be here for long? That's when I told her, come on. Some days I'll be like, maybe she right, paying the price, saving my life. Ops in disguise, play my demise. Body may die, my spirit survives, immortalized. Home team, you know the guys. I wonder if he sees the pain that I hide deep down inside. Had a talk with God the other day and I asked him, please, can I see my son grow and raise a family? I'll do anything you ask of me. So with Bloom, did you know when you were making those tracks that people would rap on them? Or were you making them with the mentality that they were just going to be that another beat tape type thing? Yeah, yeah. I was just making... I was just making like a beat or two a day. Okay. I would like wake up early, right? I developed a habit where I was like waking up at like 6 a.m. and I would just like turn on the NPC and just like give myself a dedicated amount of time and and kind of putting those restrictions on myself, I think is is what helped me to progress so fast, right? I was like forcing myself into um, learning quickly. Yeah. And Bloom happened because... I had a few people on on songs, right? Like I had that Matt, Matt Randall track. I had a, a that Milk joint, right? I just happened to hit up Milk one day when he was like, I'm in the studio, hit me up for a feature. And I was yeah. like, all right, I hear some beats. Like, tell me what you like. So I had these songs kind of just like laying in the cut. And then I went through one day and like kind of uh, organized my beats, if you will, right? Just kind of like went through. And then I was like, holy shit, I have like... 40 beats you know what I mean I had like 40 beats or just some number like yeah. that I was like how do I have this many beats and so I was like alright let me pull the ones that like I like the most and I think what I've realized recently is is because I used to rap it just it kind of took me understanding my tool right understanding like the NPC that I use and so now I'm like kind of only making rappable beats Yeah, you know because in my head I'm like it's subconsciously kind of like thinking of the cadence and, and kind of the flow yeah, that, that someone would jump on it. And so, um, so I just started, <clears throat> I just started hitting people up really. I was like, here's the, Corey helped me decide like what, what beats to, to put on the pack. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And some of that was like, Corey was like, I'm just going to like write verses to all of these. And I was like, that just sounds like it would make the album easier to complete. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so that's pretty much what he did. And then as, um, I mean, I, I'm like a, I'm a relationship builder. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at like forming relationships with people. And so during that time I was just like doing a lot of research, right? Like I just went in and kind of discovered everybody that had been doing their thing or was currently doing their thing, like in Portland yeah, and just kind of found people that I thought could work you know and like just found found cool people right like kid moses super dope he plays pickleball too um uh you know like i feel like 
I found Mugshot Baby before anybody was fucking with Mugshot Baby. Like Mugshot um, and uh, Dobleon. Dobleon. I those those were the the two people I believe on there that I was not aware of. That yeah yeah and and that that Mugshot song was another one that was like a year ago. He he picked the beat and I was like I'm just holding it for you because like that's how much I don't even need to hear it. I don't even need to hear what you are gonna say. Like we'll just let me know when you want to hit the studio and we'll hit it. And like it was like first take, and I was like, he was in like the booth, and I was in the other room at uh, Page Street, and I was like freaking out, like I couldn't wipe the smile on my face when this dude was like laying down his verse. I was like, oh my gosh, this is wild. <laughs> Me and Zito like Mike and Tito talking before Casamigos when Henny was a thing before niggas start popping Kiko. My wet was really for scamming niggas who kept the B-roll. Dutch prices went up and we stopped copping from Papito. I was really there. It wasn't always the flyers giddy up. They can't say that nigga bitch when they ain't pick me up. In and out, I left the hood cause Rainy getting sick of stuff. Pops was improving his blood, he wasn't thick enough. Let's talk about it. I went through everything and more. We the same dog, I know about that bet out on the floor. Water tap in your prize, see you settling for more. Stop jumping, but you and yeah, I just I show love to people, right? And I like I, I build relationships and when it came down to like me having this pack of beats ready, like I already knew who I wanted to send them out to. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna do this thing. And I, I found that like it got easier because then I would just like send people the demos and they, they would just be like, oh, all right, I'll be right back. Like I want to yeah. get on this, you know? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> it took me a long time to really realize, I mean, it probably t- until it was finished, right? To realize I kind of like was creating something like special that maybe hadn't been created yet um, with Bloom. And it wasn't necessarily what I was setting out to do. I was just, I just have like a high standard for like what I think rappers should rap like, you know what I mean? And like, and I have had my beats and I was like picking people that I knew could like do it justice or, or, you know, just trying to make songs that I would listen to really. Yeah. You weren't just like finding anybody that rapped in the area. Right. It's like very, uh intentionally done of like oh i know this person could kill it right and that makes like so much sense to me man like i was gonna you already answered the question but i was gonna ask you if you like felt like your previous rap experience kind of maybe like informed the way you were making those beats in some way of just like understanding where the pocket would be or you know whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously like that had to have like helped a lot for you know people to see like where their path was within this music Right. Right. Absolutely. I do a lot of research. Right. I think um, I think I have a really good ear for what I want something to sound like. Right. Um, And that's why, like, what the first time I met Corey. Right. I was like, oh, no, like this is this could work. Right. Like I kind of saw what he was doing and how it related to like what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I I mean, I do a lot of research, man. Like um, I'm not just going to like if I found someone on Instagram today, I would go and like listen to everything they've ever made. Right. Cause even though like maybe something they're making right now, isn't like necessarily, uh, adjacent to like what I'm making, they might've been doing something a couple of years ago where I'm just like, Oh no, like let's like, I see what you're capable of doing in terms of like how it would fit yeah. with what I'm doing. For sure. No, I think it's, it's important to kind of like, yeah, try to get that that full scope and vice versa. Like there's mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, there's artists I've even had on like local artists that I've had on the podcast where like 
maybe five years ago they hit me up with a record and i was like eh. and then two years ago they sent me the new stuff and i was just like damn this is this mm-hmm. is killer like yeah let's fucking let's talk no yeah it's crazy i've had people hit me up recently too which is crazy because i'm just like i just made i just i'm just a dude that like made an album you know and they were like yo this is dope like if for whatever reason you ever want to collaborate and and to your point right like i hear it and i'm like it's just not quite there yet yeah because i knew what i sounded like when i wasn't quite there yet you know and Mm -hmm. um but you still kind of like you still hear something you know it's not like terrible that you kind of understand like they're just at a different like place in their journey for sure no you've definitely like I, i think even just the way you like rolled this record out you know there's there's instant community building and what you've done mm. and like it's such a cool way to like expose people that like maybe have known about Ep for a long time and Dude. now they know about Eric Boderick because yeah, Ep's yeah. on a couple tracks and like that Lucy one is is one of my favorites. It's so long to to mention Ep to be honest, right? Like and he's somebody who's just been like the best rapper in Portland for like the whole time he's been a rapper in Portland, right? But no, it's so true. Like I. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, in the rollout process, I wanted it to be more, I wanted it to be more, um, than just about me. Right. Cause like at the end of the day, like I just sent some beats to like people that were really talented and like, that's just, you drafted the right team. Yeah. Well, you, you know what I mean? But like, I wanted, I wanted them to shine. Um, and so that was kind of part of the plan, right. Is, is, find ways to kind of like elevate people and, and, and get them out in front. So like it's worth it for them, you know? And, um, no, it's cool. Right. Cause I have friends from different parts of the country now that just outside of Portland that are like, Oh, like this person, this is my favorite, favorite song. Right. And that's what I was trying to do is like the energy that I'm putting into getting my own album out. I want it to be worth it for the people that are on yeah. the album as well. Yeah, I just appreciate all like the ad-libbing and the back and forth between you two at the end of that track. You know, yeah. Lucy is so so funny and that was talking the- shit about the about Portland and the right, Blazers. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of on the fly. We were just like, let's just do this, right? Like, kind of a nod to old school like hip hop records, classic like, rap records, kind of interludes and stuff. Portland isn't weird. Y'all just awkward with a lot to say. Walk a single foul mile out and rock away. You can hear the sounds ringing loud from a block away. Catch a fade, sweet chill music, make your teeth decay. Wasn't out for fame, and my uncle down in the bay. Seldom seen, lock the doors up. Cream took it more of Celine, cover my eyes, breaking the source strut. Exit after matching with the who's and what have you. Pre-packaged poison, making do with the value. Huh. I'm back, crack it again. Growing old with back pains, throw an axe at the wind. Packing you in, catching the spin, often depends on the one who throwing shells while making peace with his hands. I can't call it dog, worry about it later like the Molotov. Toys turn to stardust, moving like the ocean, slept less with the odds up. Robbery emotion, who you got? Butter the noodles, heating whatever rises, disguises. These guys are for sure, but so let us know. Since the knee high, I've been moving off pure gut. It's worth levitating and molded to where your turn so mysterious in the light and comparable to none. Yeah. yeah. Huh. What's, let's what's call, up, man? Let's, let's call it. We gotta go, man. They're, they're I still got. I still have like. They're, shut, they're shutting off the lights, man. Do you hear this, man? <laughs> fuck this city, man. I fucking. This fucking bullshit.
Do you find that like that each of these tracks were just such a very different experience from each other too? Just you know, after it was all done, you're kind of like putting it together. I would imagine mm-hmm. like the just even the sequencing of everything must have been interesting just because you kind of right. made all of this like independently or like right sometimes right. in the room with the people sometimes people are just sending you their raps that they've done right right for the most part i say like 75 percent of it was was me taking people into page street where we tracked out most of it okay um frankie over at page street is, is really dope but there was still only like one session where we had like six people in there there was one session where we recorded like three or four tracks that same night there were a few songs where yeah they just they sent me the vocals and we we still mixed them um at page street that's just what i what i liked about it is like i didn't want to influence the creative process i wanted people to like everybody picked their own beats right everybody was like no this one yeah. you know and i just sent you know like a pack like 25 beats or something and um the crazy part is there wasn't really any time where i had to like make any hard decisions where i was like oh no brax really liked that beat but like f really liked that beat it, like magically did not happen it was crazy that's very cool yeah and like even lucy the ep track right like i guess this harkens back a little bit to like the um thinking you're you're whack or whatever it's like that that lucy beat honestly like i almost like didn't send it to anybody in my mind it was like a like a throwaway beat it's the hardest just, beat on the record but yeah but that's the thing right <laughs> especially and that's, with epon <laughs> totally totally so he when he like wrote to that i was like oh like you like you like this beat oh and, and that's it just goes to show right you can't get in your own way of yeah. things so i wanted to just like provide the canvas yeah for, for those folks to paint on and um uh, yeah your question was like everything being very independent like i i do think that and i think might be my excuse right because i wanted to hit it like a deadline of a like a spring release but i it, it also would have been like impossible to pick a single for that very reason if i was going to do kind of the new age rollout of like release you know five singles and then and then release an album i was just at some point i was kind of like fuck it like i just need this just needs to exist into the world already and i don't want to have to like i don't want to have to pick a favorite kid you know I'm a little biased because Dusty Fox is uh, my guy, but Northwest Wonderland is also another one of my favorites. And Fox is just like, I don't know. He's one of the, he was probably on episode 13 of this podcast. He's been on a few times. He's like a part of the history of this thing. And he's also just like one of those people that, one of the creatives in town that, that is consistently like inspiring me, whether it's like his rapping or like his junk telly shit and everything he does with that is just, uh, become a you know a constant relationship for me here in yeah. portland oregon also, so. just like the nicest dude you know yeah um i, he, I love his verse he on recorded that, that verse that was the day you probably remember it was the day he like messed up his shoulder like playing hockey and so he came into the studio and was like no nah, no nah, i'm good i'm good and then just like <laughs> laid down his verse single take like it was it was wild it was yeah. just one of those even to your point there's just like a bunch of like special moments in the recording process hindsight 2020 like i wish i would have just had somebody like recording a like jay-z black album style documentary during the process you always do you know in hindsight it's always, it would always be nice right. to have that film crew but like how much of an asshole would i have been if i was like all right guys this is gonna be classic trust me yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> like the first uh, first session Shot from the sky, the eagle we say is America. 
Yeah, swollen oceans keep rowing boats while we overdose. The steady motion like rolling roads in a motorhome. Drought stricken and gout ridden, the forest burns. Everything on earth is gonna die, I'm waiting for my turn. A heavy ration of sponsored ads and the spawn of passions. Felt bad for asking, why is everybody rapping? Seems to me the ego pines for what attention needs. The lowest hanging fruit, the ripest apple that the insects eat. Anyways, I ain't fond of finding enemies, but intersect my karma with your drama and the venom leaves. Thanks to feed on ventricles, surrender your abilities. Null and void, rattle can snake destroying toys. Out of Lloyd, in the board shorts making noise, breaking into cars in the parking lot, taking yours. Damn, it's just another day on earth, I guess. Everybody barely scraping by, let's try to do our best. Aside from, you know, maybe seeing a little bit of yourself in Corey, like what, what do you think that really works between you and Corey B? Because it seems like you, you guys just like crank out music together. Like you Dude, did so true. his last, his last record you did yeah, me with and, him. Me and 10th and- member kind of uh, co-produced that. That's kind of how that relationship um, was built is 10th, uh, 10th member, um, AKA Sir he he has a discord um and like a like a creative company fellow creative and um when i was early in like my beat making journey i was just trying to find a community you know what i mean like it was during the pandemic so it's not like there was like shit going on in portland where i could show up and like uh, there wasn't any a beat happenings or you know those sort of things and so i joined this discord with just people all over the country that uh 10th had created this community and um, those were the first people to like, they're like family now. They were, the, they were the first ones to be like, no, this is a dope beat. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, really? That's crazy. And so 10th um, knows Corey from like middle school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so the only reason I went to that um, Corey B show at Mississippi Pizza like a year and a half ago was because I hadn't actually met 10th in person, but we had known each other through Discord. Such a like a 2023 20, thing, right? It's like, you know, somebody in, yeah. on the internet. So we were actually just meeting for the first time. We hung out, and that's where I saw Corey. Linked up with Corey. <clears throat> I was like, yo, I dig your shit. We should, this was like November of like 2021, I think. I was like, we should um, we should do some stuff together. Try and do like a Blue and Exile thing, blah, blah, blah. Come to find out, fast forward, a year later, this man had never heard the Below the Heavens album. Like, if he told me that that night, I would have... <laughs> <laughs> you were like... Oh, Chris. <laughs> he, I've, I've, uh, I've joked with him about it, though. But um, That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny. But um, that's just what I saw in him, right, is that his ability to, like, rap, but also, like, catch, like, melodic hooks in, like, mm-hmm. not a cheesy way. Yeah. I was like, no, this is dope. He's such a good performer, too. With, yeah. Like, I don't know. He's not a dude who stumbles or, you know. He's, dude, it's because he, he practices. He right? looks comes across as somebody who practices like in a good way like yeah. he looks disciplined and very like into the craft and making sure that mm-hmm. in the live setting that he's just gonna like hit you with every punch yeah yeah and that's worth that's worth um highlighting right is i feel like people think they can just go up on stage and rap and they can but it's not as good as like somebody who's like in a mirror or I don't know what Corey does. I've never been there. <laughs> I, I just, I just, tr- I just know his work ethic. So I know that like, if I'm going to hit play on a beat, like he's, he's going to be there to like do his thing. And that's what I love about it too. But yeah, yeah. We, I, I sent him that a pack of beats that, that night. Right. And, um, he took him like two months to listen to it. Um, so that was like November <clears throat> and then like January he, he was like, he sent me back a verse over uh, the songs called Low Tide 
on the Effortless album. And um, I remember like listening to the like low quality of his recording like in my car and being so stoked because that was like the first time that anybody ever like rapped over one of my beats. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm like in the car on like a, I think I was on a Target run with my wife, right? Like my son's in the back. I was like, babe, this is so dope. <laughs> and um, he, he was just like in, in a pocket, right? And he just kept recording to, to the beats I sent him. And then 10th, who had been his childhood friend, was also sending him beats at the same time. And then so just in the Discord, we were like, wait a second, like how many songs does he have from over your beats? And then he's like, you know, four. He's like, how many songs does he have over your beats? I'm like, I don't know, like five or six. We're like, let's just do this weird like dual project thing. Um, so that's why we called it Effortless because like we just sent him beats and he was writing to both of our beats at the same time. And it was done like quick. It just took us a while to like get it mixed and mastered. Yeah, it was like the easiest 10 rap songs I've ever seen put together. Just a dude that fuels the fire, like a good person to be around that's kind of always uh, scheming and, and working mm-hmm. on his shit. Mm-hmm. Encouraging totally. you to also, you know. Right, yeah, it keeps you um, keeps you on your toes too because you're trying to keep up, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and especially if somebody, if you send someone beats and they send back like raps so quick, like the next time they tell you like, ah, I'm not really feeling any of those. You're like, oh, I got some more for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it kind of does that for you too, you know? Psychopathic, enigmatic, flow they'll never get to match it. Always come in different patterns. Close it up, quit the chatter. Say the reaching heights when we was climbing up a different ladder. Spent the life just trying to write, but shit was slight, it didn't matter. Mismatching fabrics, gotta lift the swagger or I switch it back and paint it black like I was Mickey Jagger. Skipping chapters cause they thought that they could finish faster. Prove they're not a factor. Now I'm dipping past you little bastards. Little rappers is fun size. Y'all cowards sound asleep. I'm clocking out for my lunchtime. Do more in a week than you done, done in your dumb life. Work every day for cash to say you sound like that one guy. Hey, this is what it sound like when doves cry. Your crowds is full of crickets. Shit, it sound like a bug's life. I was in the kitchen whipping up another fix and they was fumbled in the vision. Could have did it with one eye. Really, really, y'all was 50-50 in front side. Before y'all have one foot up on the board, me don't comply. Y'all ain't doing good against the boy when I bust mines. Y'all done tried to sit up to the boy on the front lines. Turned you to a toy for trying to look like a tough guy. I don't need too much room to prove I'm a fun guy. I done been destroying for a while, it's no surprise. The hype is extra heightened, ain't no time here to subside. I punch lines and crush flows into mush. Type of stuff to grab your spine and crunch your bones into dust. I'm curious, um... You being a dad with a, a younger kid, how important do you think it is to like be able to find the time to like cut out for your creativity and like making music and like what's that balance like and do you feel like it's just kind of even important to to show him that you know yeah. you're doing this stuff? <clears throat> yeah, totally. I'm never like in the in the office like with the door closed necessarily. I think the last couple beats that I've made, I'm trying to stay kind of in shape, so to speak, uh, right now. And, and um, But the last couple beats I've made were just, like, in the living room, like, with my NPC on the floor while he's, like, yeah. watching cartoons or whatever, you know? And, like, not like that they're, they're coming out, like, great or anything, but I'm just trying to go through the motions and, and stay in it. But um, every now and then I'll just ask him, like, 
what to call a beat or like <laughs> That's awesome he he he's very i don't even know how to say it but he's like kind of a little musical genius um high key if you will like he just has a crazy way of like hearing notes and he can go up to his piano and like play the super oh, wow. mario song by like by, by ear by ear he'll be like did it no that's not it did it did it and like it's He's like that little fucking max kid on that are you seeing that kid but not annoying right <laughs> dude i'm so glad you said that i'm so uh, glad you said that this little kid's like oh this is far side running it's like come on man i don't also, <laughs> you don't even have to cut this part out but i hate that kid um, I just think he's like the epitome of privilege, you know, and it's like today's day and age of like TikTok, like fame. Yeah, it is kind of wild because you see his setup and you're Dude. just like, you have all of this. Like, obviously you have like some very wealthy family. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And your dad's probably really like smart or something. You're, you're, one of your parents is like really good, a really I mean, good yeah. musician. Somebody's like making those TikTok videos and like chopping. Right. I mean, the kid's obviously like a fucking... He's talented. Really, he's really talented. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. So my um, Frankie at Page Street actually told me because I've taken my son in the studio for a couple of the uh, recording sessions just for fun. They have a, a little arcade machine there, so he was like playing with that. And uh, Frankie, like after the fact, he was like, "I think your son has perfect pitch." And I was like, "No, I think you're right," because like I don't, yeah. <laughs> and like, but I can hear what he's doing. But yeah, I don't. So I struggle with like. I'm not going to make the kid a TikTok. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not. You're not going to Joe Jackson the kid? No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he, like, seems to gravitate towards he, it yeah. on his own? Yeah, he loves it. He like cool. He'll, like, use his imagination and be like, oh, this is my NPC or whatever, you know? Well, also, I just think it's dope that, like, he's got he's got pops in, in the house, like, at least showing him that that's even, like, a tangible thing that he can right. do. Like, whether right. it becomes a, a deep passion of his or mm-hmm. not, like. You know, he at least can see that it's something, yeah. You know, that's creative. possible. And, yeah, exactly. You know, to stretch it, and that's the that's the idea too, for sure. Right? Is like I can see his little mind working and, and and that sort of thing, and like you know, pursuing future passions and like learning that like there isn't limitations. You know, yeah. just like just do it. Like just do whatever you want to do. I just, I also just like love that you know. You, you have his voice on the, in the recordings, you know, like oh, Joe to. Musgrove yeah. is one of my favorite tracks. Brax, something, something Brax. If you, if you don't know about Portland rapper, something, something Brax, that, that dude, um, he's one of my favorites. And he, he did this, maybe he was on the podcast, like maybe last summer or something. It was definitely yeah, like an episode, that, episode that I really yeah. enjoyed. And like that conversation was really great. And mm-hmm. just a, a dude that I've enjoyed getting to know a little bit more, but I, I just like that your son's on that track. And then on flower shop on the, on ripples, oh, uh, right. he's on there. And right. I just like, I don't know, just, was, the, you know, documenting that. Yeah. That I mean, voice. to your point, like it was one of those things where like that beat was like, I wasn't making beats as quick back then. And so that like sample was like playing in the house. So then he would just be like playing. He'd be like, flower shop. And I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Brax, he's a, he's a Mets fan, right? We were, it was, I think it was during the playoffs that we were recording that, um, that track last year. It was definitely during baseball season. And so um, he had to throw out that Joe Musgrove jab. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call the song Joe Musgrove. It's perfect. Know? It's perfect. Um, but yeah, my son, it was it was funny because it's now it's like a 
Now it's like a beef between him and Brax, like where he just like disrespects his, my son disrespects his name, and then yeah. I'll just like, <laughs> I'll just send it to Brax, you know, and like, he's like, what, why, why is his name Brax? something something? That's, that's why, something something? Extraordinary band of individuals who's doing nothing other than making the funk and something something likely is a synonym for breaking slumps. Glum dog billionaire who noticed he was fighting an antagonist that isn't there. Nervous, but he isn't scared. Wait, wait. Find me out hunting for giggles, the salvos for stress. That's aloe and witch hazel. For days I wish I could flip a table. I'm taking sips of peppermint while digging to these letters that are tethered to my everlasting pleasure i know you know so baby bro go do better lately it's been fun find, find that uh that was something that kind of like bonded you and matt randall like being fathers did that do you think totally. that's something that like gravitated the yeah. two of you together because i know that's just like i don't know matt matt's like constantly putting knocks you know in his raps is like heavily right. obviously heavily influenced on like what his life has become right and i love Knox. that right just being yeah. like uh organic and like authentic with like w- you know your story and whatnot yeah but no totally like i uh matt's a super cool dude like i i, I love like his relationship with his son he's like a good little little basketball player um our sons haven't ever like met up yet i've been meaning to like maybe now that it's summertime we'll go hang out at a park or something yeah but no, it's super cool for sure. I just like, I love finding common ground with people, right? Absolutely. And just kind of like building, building the the relationship that way. Yeah, man. It seems like, you know, the, the team sports mentality is still there for True. you. You know, you made this whole record that's just, you know, a team of people like, right. I feel like, and I don't know. I think, uh, I've, I've learned over time after like taking many years away from playing competitive team sports and then being like in it a bit now, it's just like, I feel like it's like very underrated, like what you can, the disciplines and like the stuff you learn from like participating in like a team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. My son's not very athletic currently. I should be ashamed of the, his attempts at throwing. But um, that's one thing I've had to learn personally, you know, is like you kind of have to let your kids be passionate about the things that they're passionate about. Yeah. So, um, but you're right. Like I, I want to get him into something where he has to like, you got to like strike out a couple times, you know, and like learn <laughs> humility. You got to, you know what I mean? You got to like let somebody else hit the home run or, yeah. you know, just all those types of things. For sure. Well, maybe he'll, he'll, you know, I'm sure he'll get his teamwork in, you know? Yeah. Me tag teaming you and you and him making beats, you know? Yeah, for He's sure. For be sure. Be on the, ne- the next feature. He might. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> he might. <laughs> yeah, man. It's cool to uh, get to jump on the mics with you and, and get to, I, know, I where, get to was, know where all this, this music comes from. When you reached out, I was, uh, I was honored. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Well, I just remember like... Uh, I don't know which one specifically, but I shout out to Hungry Hungry Hip Hop where you mm-hmm. just had, you know, the Bloom album release party and it's just like such a big staple of the, the Portland music community in general, that monthly showcase. If you don't know what it is, just check it out. But put on yep. by the goons. And uh that was where I I definitely saw 
it might have been Corey's album release that I was there the for. Effortless one. I did a beat set. And you like, did a beat set first, right? Yeah. It was like Lawrence One Three was maybe on that one too. Yeah. It was just like one of the better summer shows last year that I remember. Uh-huh. And yeah, I remember seeing you there and then going home and checking out the music you had out at that point. And uh Nice. Yeah, I don't know. Just like today's the first day that we've actually like had a conversation, you know. I said no, what's true. up to you at the Bloom show, but it was just like I don't know. It's that that real recognizes real or like finding that that common ground you were talking about. It's right. just like even before I saw the nine five one area code, I was like, I don't know. It feels like this dude has like a similar foundation or like similar right. you know experience of of where he grew up and whatnot. That yeah. to mine. So yeah, and I, I mean, I was listening to your your uh, the playlist you put Lucy on uh, yesterday while I was driving around. Um, I have an old van that doesn't have a CD player, but I was in my wife's car the other day and, and listening to the playlist. What I appreciate about what you do is that there's just a bunch of different genres, right? And like, I, f- I find that like the last couple of years I've like only listened to rap music for yeah. obvious reasons. But, um, you know, there was a time where I was going to Coachella and like, you know, listening to other types of, of music. Um, so I definitely want to get back to that. But like, I think that's what, that's what definitely what, like what you do on the, playlist like podcast level is like what portland needs um so that like the music scenes aren't so like separated yeah there's like cool punk rock stuff right and there's cool like rap stuff and like there's no reason why that can't all be like on the same bill yeah that sort of thing i don't know for me it's like i'm just usually listening to like a very wide range of things you know Mm -hmm. i definitely have like my phases sometimes where like one month i'm maybe like listening to like more singer songwriter shit than hip-hop and jazz shit but like it's been a cool just like just one of those things to be like, all right, I'm going to put this playlist out every month Mm -hmm. and I'm really going to try to like craft it in a way that you can listen to it front to back. And hopefully like it makes sense, even though it's like very genre fluid or Mm -hmm. you can just hit random and see where that lands you. Always shuffle. Yeah. (laughs) Always hit shuffle. (laughs) And I think that's just like, I don't know. It's not just Coachella. It's like most of the big music festivals these days are very multi-genre. And I think maybe it's just like the younger generation is just more into everything kind of thing. But that's just like where I like to keep things as far as like informing things or Mm -hmm. just like trying to keep it spread out on the podcast all the time, which is maybe like maybe some people really don't like that because there's a lot of people that don't care for like these particular types of music but right i don't know that's right it's yeah i don't know i think the when the converse you just at the end of the day like we're just having a conversation too yeah you know we should just go uh jump in the water right i'd now. love to go jump in the water right now I've, i i i do think it's colder than i'd like it to be but yeah. it would be like a it would be a fun finish if like i'm, I'm just gonna make like this the summer podcast meetup spot and oh, like it it's a, just yeah. like a requirement that you have to jump in after yeah that's you you can tell the next person you can say like but eric did it eric eric boderick jumped in the water no questions asked yeah he swam all the way to that buoy and back it was it was wild he was like i'm from oceanside (laughs) well i'm glad that you like found that you found your way back to the music and that it's like speaking to you in this way and that you're having fun doing it right right because there's a lot of other stuff that comes along with making music now as far as like the promoting of it if you want to and whatnot so i just uh i'm just stoked that you've uh you found your way back to it and you you've you're you know finding your voice as a 
producer and beat maker and yeah i don't know yeah. how much hands-on you had with the the actual mixing of the record but i feel like that's just like a part of being a beat maker and producer that you have mm-hmm. to learn some of those skills and right. i think just the mix on the record and that the accents on certain vocals is just killer man it just mm-hmm. sounds so good whether it's like airpods or in the car or on the yep. big system at home shout out to uh frankie at page street i mean i was there for the mixing right but um he pressed all the buttons and uh hobbs hobbs mastered it um he did an incredible job too because i agree like you know whether you're just listening to it on your phone like just sitting on the kitchen counter yeah or um you're or in the car like it's just it's clean sure i want to play the episode out with new and seen uh it's the first track off the bloom record featuring Dante Thomas and is it Himza? Hamza. Hamza. Also, as I know him as Asta La Pasta on right. on Instagram. Too talented. Um, just uh, another killer rapper. I was curious what you what kind of like spoke to you as you wanting this to be the opening to Bloom and introducing the record this way. Just the beat. The beat felt like like an opening beat, no matter what they were gonna say on it another beat right that like i would just always in my mind it was like my interlude beat set beat like i'm just gonna play this beat when no one's paying attention it's crazy and then everybody everybody loved it that heard the 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 beat pack but i think not a conscious decision but something cool when you really think about it is the album's called bloom but dante and hams are talking about death in the first song and so um i think that's kind of poetic when i when i listen to it you know, as a whole for the first time, I was like, oh, this is really dope. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely one of those tracks that like instantly hooked me in, made me excited to hear what the rest of the record was like. And, uh, yeah, man, just to appreciate what you're doing and stoked that we had the opportunity to jump on the mics and geek out a little bit. And, uh, I'm stoked to hear, you know, what you keep cooking up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bloom too. You know, you never know. (laughs) I'll make sure all the links are in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with what you're doing. Check out that Bloom record. Get yourself some coffee, you know, some Mm -hmm. special edition Eric Boderick Bloom coffee. Um, I I heard you were looking into maybe, you know, some vinyls. Who knows? Who knows what could be happening? Too many options. Uh, all the links will be in the episode notes and Eric we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the Eric Boderick it's a program it means absolutely nothing it's just the way that my grandfather says the news program I remember this from the Brax episode you can deliver Um, it however you'd like it's a program you know that everybody that's Eric Boderick and we are going to play it out with uh, new and seen off the bloom record you can find that on uh, all the things wherever you're listening to music links in the episode notes and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from yeah still pack the pack and move without a gap they'll shoot you in the back and they excuse you was black used to the facts they maneuver through the cracks loosen up the noose a bit cause you were too attached slave to the mindset that threw us in the back made black and blue out of backs fooling us with scraps the ancestors falsified exuberance and act not a hand to help just abuse for the slack the exhaustion and fatigue season a demon i ask god to subtract my odds we even long live joel overton i'm still grieving artificial promise never
never led to real reason That's why consistency in everything you do, the true meaning In a stew warm enough to brew when it's convenient Food for the souls like a nutrient, so I'm feeding Said what I said, cause what I knew from when I seen it Yeah, I said I said what I said, cause what I knew from when I seen it Food for the souls like a nutrient, so I'm feeding Said what I said, cause what I knew from when I seen it Seen it Seen it. Yeah. And I said what I said and I really fucking mean it. I know who I am and I know where I've been. Seen a lot of shit that got me smoking these cigs. Been running from my emotional fits. But never quick enough to stop the pain woven a stitch. Different cloth cut from the soul to the brim. Cause coming up was a must when you hoping to live. Over the fence, both shoulders holding respect. Nobody was ever chosen to win. Close to the edge, most couldn't understand the path road to the bridge. Since we were tadpoles and kick flows on the bench. From hell and back, seen fast. Now you only exist in my farm. Memories are good and bad, we openly did. What a shame how it played out. Night I try to trace out a plan so I ain't stuck broke in the end. On the same lane route, t shirts. Fake clouds, real tears hurt Feeling unfocused again, please Hey, just want to give a big shout out to DistroKid For sponsoring this episode of the podcast And for their longtime support of this thing Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes Or in my Instagram bio 30% off your first year membership with DistroKid Helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be and big thanks to Drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game, keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies, whether THC-heavy or CBD-heavy. Great for stress and solid sleep. Find them at your favorite local dispensary. Appreciate the support. More info on Drops in the episode notes as well. Stay up. Stay tuned. <laughs>